I want to welcome everybody to uh, Rock Fellowship. We're so glad that you're here with us. Thank you so much for to our worship team. Uh, I want to welcome you guys, you know, whether you're here all the time and this is where you usually come for church or uh, if this is your first time here, man, we are so honored that you would spend this Saturday with us. And um, if you're at church for the first time in a long time, man, we're especially glad that you'd be willing to share this time with us and we're so blessed to have you guys with us on this very, very special day in this very special season. Um, this, this, uh, a couple weeks ago, we began a series called The Four Advent Words. And it's because we're in what is traditionally called Advent season, which is the four weeks before Christmas. And so uh, a couple weeks ago, we began this series where each week we focus on one single word that is a major theme of like the story of the Advent, which means Jesus' arrival. And so the first word we talked about was peace, and the Hebrew, original Hebrew word, which was shalom. Uh, the second week, last week, we talked about hope, when the Hebrew word was yahal. And we kind of talked about and explored and kind of unpacked these very, very special words because these words are extremely powerful for our everyday lives. And so what we did was we talked about how peace in our world, in, in English, is simply just I don't have any problems, I don't have any conflict, like everything's fine. But the reality was is that you could have no conflict in life but still not be at peace. And the reason why is because what the peace that, that is described of in Scripture, in, in, in the Bible, is this idea of not just peace and not having conflict but shalom, which is about wholeness and completeness. That the reason why we may feel not at peace even though everything's fine is because we're actually missing something. And if we were to be complete and whole, then even if we did have conflict, even if we did have issues, like we're going to be okay. And that was like this idea of shalom and peace. And that's what we talked about the first week. The second week, we talked about hope. And then how hope, and this was like, this was a big deal for me as, as, our, as Pastor Jonathan was sharing last week, that oftentimes the thing we have hope in, the reason we have hope is just because we really, really want it really bad. Like we just, we hope for something, I hope this will happen, not because there's an actual reason to hope or a reason to have confidence, but I just really, really, really want it. Like I hope the Packers will win the Super Bowl this year. Actually, I have a lot of reason to believe that's actually going to happen. Amen? No, no amens? Okay. But really what it comes down to is I just really, really want it to happen. And the hope that the Bible talks about, that we learn about in the life of Jesus and in the, the, the teachings of Paul is that hope is more secure and, and better and more life-giving and transformative when it's based on the person of Jesus and the promises of Jesus. Because it's not just about what you want, it's about who he is that gives us confidence to face the challenges of life. Now next week, we're going to conclude the series because it's the fourth one and it's the fourth weekend of the Advent, uh, Advent season. And we're going to be focusing on the word joy. Joy, and we talk about this in this season a lot. We sing songs about this. We say joy to the world. Uh, but again, as we look at kind of like a deeper understanding of joy in Scripture, we're going to find that the joy in Scripture is not simply about being good, feeling good and being happy. Right? It's, it's about something deeper and bigger and stronger. And what we're going to discover as we look into this idea of joy, how we can have that same joy, we can have more joy in our lives, that it's not just about feeling good. In fact, it's better than feeling good. And how it it's can be something, it's, it, it can be a, a condition rather than a feeling. And so we're going to talk next week about how we can do that. So if you are looking for more peace in life, if you're looking for more hope in life, 
I want to point you to our YouTube channel, Rock Fellowship in YouTube, or wherever you uh, listen to podcasts. We have a podcast. You can catch up on the last two messages. If you're like, man, I feel like I need more peace in my life. I need more hope. Go there. And if you think you need more joy in your life, and you feel like, man, you're just down, you're just struggling these days, I want to invite you back next week to learn about this fourth Advent word, joy. And so today, the third Advent word we're going to be focusing on today, a very familiar word for a lot of people, is the word love. The word love. So let's pray and we'll get into today's message. Father in heaven, I thank you, Lord, so much for this opportunity to come before you and to worship and to be in your presence. Um, God, and I just ask, Lord, that your spirit would move today as we talk about a familiar topic and hopefully in an unfamiliar way, in a way that may stand out to us, that it might actually impact us and change the way we think about this very common theme of love. In your name we pray. Amen. I think it's a problem that we only have one word for love, right? Like when you love something, all you can say is, I love it. Like, like is not the same as love, am I right? Re I really like something is not the same as love. When you get beyond really like and you get into love category, all you can say about that thing, that person, that experience, that song, that movie is, I love it. And I think it's a problem. I think it's a problem that we only have one word for love. And I don't have any solutions. I don't, I'm, not, I'm not about to come up with some new words. But what I, what I think is a problem is that we have this one word to describe a huge concept. And so we say things like, you say, I say, I love my parents. Right? We say, I love my kids. But we also say, I love pizza. And some of you say, I love BTS. So I love my parents and I love my kids. I love pizza and I love BTS. But this is all one single word. That's a problem, right? Because I'm assuming that the love you feel for your parents and your siblings and your friends is not the same as the love you have for pizza. Or... Maybe you're like, Pastor, you don't understand how much I love pizza. You don't understand the lengths I'm willing to go to to get good pizza. I'm assuming, though, that the love you feel for BTS is not the same, hopefully not the same as the love you say you have for your parents or your friends. We only have one word to describe all these kinds of big ideas and big feelings and big experiences to say, I love this and I love that. We only got one word. In the Bible, actually, there's multiple words to describe love. There's multiple words to describe love. And what we're going to do is we're going to look beyond, like, all the different ideas and we're going to focus in on one single word that is understood and translated as love in the Bible. And I think this is a this is going to take us to, to where we need to go to understand, like, what is love? And, and as we enter into this Advent season, as we're in the middle and the thick of it, you know, we're going to deepen our understanding of this idea of love, right? It's not just about a feeling. It's not just about something you really, 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 really like. It's something bigger. It's something better. It's something deep, something deeper. And that word is the word agape. This is translated love in the Bible. Now, as I mentioned, there are multiple words in the Bible to describe love. There are like four different words. And this word agape 
is a word that is pretty much only used to describe God. Right, like, people don't really do this. People can't really do this. Like, it's only something God has is agape. Now, like I said, we have all these different ideas of what love was, but the way we understand agape is what's interesting is that the early, the, the, the people in the Bible who wrote it and who are accounting Jesus' life, they didn't go to a, defin, a, a dictionary or a thesaurus and be like, okay, what word should we use to describe how Jesus loved people? Like, okay, let's look, 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 look. All right, this agape word, that seems like a good word. That's actually not how we began to understand the word agape as love. So our two goals today, our two goals today is as, as we understand this idea is two questions. What is agape? We're trying to understand these two questions. What is agape and why do I need to know it? That's the only thing I'm trying to do today as we go into this third message. I want you to walk away thinking, I know what agape is now and I know why it's important to me. So these are the goals for today. So as I was saying, the Bible writers, they didn't look to a definition to understand agape they look to a person to understand agape. They didn't figure out what love was by what the rest of the world was saying love was. They weren't, they weren't reading the, the latest books and the latest scrolls by the teachers to figure out what is love or what is agape. They didn't go to their friends or their family. They didn't go to the world or the culture to tell them this is what love is. They didn't go to songs or music or, or movies or their friends to understand what love really is, which is kind of like how often we do it, right? We often understand what love is by what we see in this world through movies, music, television, all these kinds of things. But they didn't figure out what love was by a definition or given to them by someone else. They simply looked at Jesus and they looked at how he lived they looked at how he treated people, and they looked at the people he treated that way. And when they looked at how he was in his life as he lived on this earth, they looked at it and they said, that is love. Like, I, I know what our parents are saying, and I know what I was taught, and I know what the, the movies say, and I know what the songs say, and I know what the books say, but that's all, that seems incomplete. When I look at this guy, Jesus... When the disciples looked at this guy and said, Jesus, and they said, what he's doing, yeah, that is love. And so what they did was they took an existing word that didn't really mean what they were thinking, and they began to use the word agape to describe how Jesus was. Because the word agape in the early ancient Greek text, it's not really what it means now, and how we understand it if you grew up in the church or learned about it in church. The early version of agape was simply like what we have when we say love. It's just this big thing. It's just like this universal idea of love. Things that you, you, you have an intense passion and feeling for. You could love a meal in ancient Greek using the word agape. You could love people and family and friends using the word agape. You can love an experience. So it's kind of like how we just say love. It was, it was this big kind of like higher form of love, less specific, unfocused, but large. And then when they looked at how Jesus lived and treated people, they're like, that is the pinnacle. That is the ultimate. So let's take this big word of love, and I think that's what we should use. And Jesus transformed the meaning of that word from just like this idea of big love to what we know it today. And that's what we're going to explore. What is agape as seen in the life of 
Jesus, okay? So as they looked at him, I want you to imagine what they saw. They saw this guy who was um, a rabbi, who was, uh, in that culture, when you're a rabbi, you're not just any old person. You're kind of important. You're kind of a deal, right? And then the, the greater rabbi you are, the more popular, the bigger deal you are. Now, Jesus wasn't like the craziest, but he was like, he started as a rabbi. He was understood. And then obviously later he, he, he gained a lot of popularity, but he's a rabbi. And for those people, they knew what rabbis were like. They've seen them all throughout their lives. In their town, there are rabbis. And they knew what they were like, and they knew how they acted, and they knew how they talked. And they respected them, and, and they, they understood kind of what, what, what a rabbi should be. And when they saw Jesus, they saw something different. See, what they saw Jesus continually do is he continually and consistently went to the poor. He went to the broken. He sought out. He looked for the people who are on the margins. And the other rabbis weren't doing this. The other rabbis were trying to get at the, the best seat at the table, but Jesus is walking away from the best seats, and he's sitting with the poor and the broken and the weak. You know, they, they saw Jesus move towards and help people who had literally nothing to offer him in return. Right? They had nothing. They could not, even if they wanted to, even if they were so thankful for what Jesus did, if they healed him, or if, they, if he healed them, or if they, 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 they saved their son's life, or, or, or performed a miracle, or whatever, like if he, if they did, even if they wanted to give him something, they had nothing to give, Jesus would consistently go to these people. Not the wealthy who have so much to offer, who could, who could fund his travels, who could fund his ministry, who could put him up in the nicest hotels, who could give him all the things that he needed. I got resources for you. I got connections for you, Jesus. Come through my place. And he's like, no. I'm going to go to the people who have nothing, nothing to offer me. This is what the disciples were seeing, and they began to see this is love. What we saw from before, that was a version of it, but this is love, man. And then he says this in Luke chapter 6, verse 35. But love your enemies. Do good to them and lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great and you will be children of the Most High because he is kind to the ungrateful and wicked. So he says this, which is like one thing, right? Like everyone says stuff. Everyone says nice things. But then he lived this. He went to the enemies, and he loved them, and he cared for them. The Pharisees who, who were totally against him, one guy, Simon, he invited him to his home, and he went. And at the end, these guys, his enemies who wanted to kill him, the ones he called out for their corruption, he ended up dying for them. They said, we're going to kill this guy. And then what did Jesus do? He said, okay. He let them do it. And so the disciples are seeing this, like, for, 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 for years, for three and a half years, they're seeing Jesus live this out, going and moving towards the broken and going and moving towards the people who have nothing to offer, loving the enemies, people who are completely different from him. Right, could you, could you imagine someone more different than you than your enemy? Right, it doesn't matter if they come from the same, have the same upbringing. It doesn't matter if they're the same ethnicity or same culture. It doesn't matter. If someone wants you to wish you harm, 
they are probably the greatest, the difference there is the greatest that you could ever experience on this earth, right? Your enemy is the most different from you than any other person on the planet. And that's why it's like, but love these people who are so, so, so different from you. And he did it. And he washed feet. And he cared. And they looked at this way this man was living and they said, that, oh man, that, yo, that's agape. So let's use that word. And they started, when they wrote the story of Jesus and they used the word agape, it began, began, began to mean not like this general high form of love, but the love that Jesus offered people and modeled for all of us. So what I want to do is like, that's, that's complicated. It's like big. It's, there's like this selfless component. There's like this loving people who are different than you. There's like this component of loving people who, who can't offer and like there's all this stuff. I want to boil it down to one simple phrase to understand what agape means. And it's, it's simple. It's very simple. And you could argue that it's maybe too simple. And I get that. There's more components to it. But for our, under, for our purposes today, I want to give you one simple phrase to help you understand this is agape love. This is what agape is. You ready? Agape is Love that doesn't care. Love that doesn't care. Obviously, I don't mean love that doesn't show care and concern. It's love that doesn't care who the person is. It's love that doesn't care what the person did. It's love that doesn't care their history. It's love that doesn't care about people's mistakes in the past. It's love that doesn't care about the, the mistakes they made to get them to the bad situation they're in right now. To love someone with a love that I don't care about any of that, that is the love of Jesus. That's agape. That's love that says, I don't care what you look like. It's love that doesn't care how you dress. It's love that doesn't care how much money you have. It's love that, that doesn't care how much you can give back to me, how much you can offer to me. That's agape. It's love that doesn't care how different we are. You, you believe this, I believe this. You stand on this side of the aisle, I stand on this side of the aisle. You think that, you think that. You believe this, you believe that. I don't care. I love you. That's agape. Right, even in Jesus' own circle of friends, right, like his disciples, he had people of extreme points of views, political views and religious views. He had people from, from opposite ends of the spectrum that would never hang out together. And he brought them in and he said, I love you and I don't care about that stuff. Now, we, you, you could even say, and this is for the youth, that the greater the difference, the greater the love. The greater the difference between you and the person you're loving, the greater the love in you. That's challenging. Because think about the people you love. Think about the people you love. Think about the people you show love to. Think about the people you care for. How similar to you are they? Like some of you, you could be twins. You, you look the same, you act the same, you talk the same. When I was growing up in high school, I had this really, really tight group of friends. And um, I still talk to them. We're in a fantasy football league together. Like we've been friends. It's crazy. We think about it. Like some of these friends... Um, we met in, in third grade. We were like eight, nine years old, and we're still friends. It's 30 years of friendship, right? It was like crazy, and we, we love to like get together, and then we like, we like make fun of each other, and it's like, it's a good time. And I remember, though, that back in the maybe junior high and high school, all of us, like all of us, were in orchestra together. And 
all of us would walk home together after school. And all of us dressed the same. We all, like, at that time, we had big baggy pants. I might weren't that baggy. My parents wouldn't let me get some crazy stuff. But, like, you know, baggy pants, right? And uh, it's funny, we kind of had the same hairstyle that I have now back in the 90s. Like, that's what we had. And so you'd see this group of, like, six Asian kids walking on the street, holding our orchestra instruments, our violins, our violas, walking down the street with our slightly baggy pants, with our hair all parted right down the middle, walking together. And we looked, like, exactly the same. The people we love oftentimes are very, very similar to us. Maybe you don't look alike, but you had a similar upbringing. You had a similar culture. You talk about the same things. You're interested in the same things, and that makes total sense. And that's love. I love my friends most of the time. You love your friends most of the time. But that's not agape. Because agape says, I don't care how different from, you, from me you are. I will love you. That's what we saw in Jesus. Like, that's what he did, right? He loved people who were completely different from him, people who had nothing to offer him, people who were broken, people who were poor, people who were weak, people who had no power, people who had nothing, people everyone else forgot about, people everyone said, let's, let's disregard them, let's reject them, let's ignore them. That's the people he went to. And he's a rabbi. He's the guy that everyone wants to be around. When he would go to a place, people would show up. But then he would go to the people who no one else cared about. And when the disciples saw this, they said, yeah, that is it. That's agape. It's love that doesn't care. It's love that doesn't, that doesn't care. And as we think about this love, man, isn't this what we all want? Right? Like, don't we want this in our relationships? Right? Like, don't we want this in our families? Like, if you're the head of your family... If you're the parents of the family, when you look at your kids, don't you want in your family a love in there that doesn't care? That doesn't care what, what this sibling did to that sibling last week? It's, it's a love that doesn't care the mistakes we made. It's love that doesn't care about what someone said when they were angry or the mistake they made. Right? Like, don't we want significant other relationships and spouses like this where we, we love each other and we don't care? We don't care what that person looks like? We don't care how that person has changed. We don't care. Like, that's what we want. We want people to love us even if we don't look great. We want people to love us even though we make mistakes. We want people to love us even if we said the wrong thing at the wrong time. We want that person to say, I don't care. I love you. That's what we want in our families, in our relationships. Like, we want that for our children, right? If you have children, you want that. You want your children to meet someone who's going to love them that way. Or if you, if, if you're, if you have a sibling... You want your brother or your sister, your little brother, your little sister, you want them to have friends that will do that, don't you? You want them to meet other kids at school who will love them with a love that says, I don't care. I don't care where you come from. I don't care the mistakes you made. I don't care what you've done in the past. I don't care that you have this kind of weird thing about you. Like, I love you. That's what we want. And that's what we seek. That's what we go out in this world looking for, isn't it? And now I, I, would, I would argue that most of life, under, behind everything else, like that, there's like this thread of us simply seeking this kind of love. Like we work hard and we, we go to school and we do all those things because we're looking for this experience. Like we work hard so that people can, can admire us. We work hard so people can respect us. We build a life. We, we buy things. We get things so that people can be like, wow. 
And I think it's all just a version of us looking for this love that simply doesn't care. The problem, problem though, is that we all want agape, but no one is actually able to give it. We want it. Like, this sounds amazing, right? Like, if you could get this tomorrow, you could get this today, I think we'd want it. We want to be loved in this way. But the problem is, is no one actually has the ability to give it. No one can actually, no one can actually do this. And this is why it's so important to understand that question. What is agape? Because when we understand what agape is, we can discover where agape is found. And it's not found out there. And it's not found in, 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 in the workplace, and it's not found in the school, and it's not found on social media, and it's not found on the internet. There's only one place where you're going to find this. And it's not me. I can't really love you like this. There's only one place where we can find, truly find love that doesn't care about any of all that. You can only find it in your heavenly Father. You can only find it in your living Savior that is Jesus. He's the only one that's going to be able to love you like that. Right? And, and we go around looking for it everywhere else, and he has it for you. He's the only one that can offer that kind of love. And so the Apostle John, right, who, was, who lived with him for, for his entire life in ministry, or entire ministry at least, and he saw all the things. He saw Jesus agaping people. He saw Jesus loving people these certain ways. He saw, he saw the, the, the enemies get to him, and he's silent, and he's quiet, and he doesn't fight back, even though everyone wants him to, even though if we're like, I would totally do that. He, he, he doesn't, and he dies, and they're all upset, and they're like, oh, this is over. It's all broken. This sucks. Everything's terrible. And then he resurrects. He comes back to life. This guy, he writes this down, and later in life, as he's thinking about what he believes and what he's seen, this is what he says in 1 John chapter 4, verse 9. You know, you know, if you grew up in church, like people say that the love chapter is uh, 1 Corinthians 13. Love is patient, love is kind. People read it at weddings, and it's beautiful. But like, I don't know if you guys have read 1 John chapter 4. Like, that is an amazing love chapter. I right, read 1 Corinthians 13, that's fantastic. But if you want to learn about love, Read 1 John chapter 4. It, is, it blows my mind every time I read it. 1 John chapter 4, verse 9 says, This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his son. And 2,000 years ago, in the city of Bethlehem, a little baby was born and placed in a manger, that is agape. That, that baby in that manger, that's agape. Because it's God moving towards broken and sinful people, and that's, that's you and me. We're all broken and sinful people. We have problems. We have issues. We don't have what it takes to, to make it. We are not perfect people and he moves towards he crosses time and space and he enters into a world to be near to us we have nothing to offer him right like we got nothing to give him right he is god he has everything everything is his what can we offer him and he's like i don't care about what you can give to me i'm still coming and can you think of anyone 
any two beings that are more different than God and us. And he says, I don't care that you are so different from me, I will come down and be among you. Right, that baby in that stable, that baby in that manger, that baby in that, that point in history, that is agape. That's God saying, my love for you, I don't care about anything else. I don't care about all that other stuff. I'm going to love you with that kind of love. That is agape. So hopefully we understand what agape is. Agape is love that doesn't care. And hopefully you understand where it's found. It's found in our Heavenly Father because he offered to us and he showed it to us 2,000 years ago when he came to this, this earth as a baby and then lived his life and taught us and, and did all these things to show us what love was. And then he died and he came back to life and he says there's hope now, there's future now, like we have this, like that's all agape. All of it is agape because it has nothing to do with you. It has nothing to do with how great you are. It has, and you're great, right? And I love you. And you guys look great. And you probably smell great. And you're fantastic, right? But it has nothing to do with any of that. He says, it doesn't matter any of that. I will still come. And now hopefully the question you're asking in your mind is like, that sounds fantastic. I want that. You know, hopefully you're thinking, I want that. I want that love. And maybe you grew up in church and you're like, you know, I've experienced it kind of, but like, I want more. Right, and I feel like my life would be better if I had more of that kind of love because then, you know, I can share that with other people. Maybe I'll be a better father or husband because I can share that kind of love to my family and maybe I can help the church, maybe I can help other people, right? Like maybe that's what you're thinking. I want that. Or maybe you didn't grow up in church and, and, or you grew up in a church where that wasn't really communicated to you very well and you're like, that's the first time I'm hearing that. Like that's fantastic. Like I want that love. How do we get it? How do we get agape? How do you get Agape. How do you get love from a heavenly being, from your heavenly father, love that says, I don't care about any of the other stuff. I just care about you. I love you. How do we get that? The twist in the story, the twist in the story is, is in 1 John chapter 4, verse 19. So John just said, God showed us his love by sending his son to us, right? So he sent his son. Happened in the past. And the twist is this, and it's, it's not really obvious when it comes to how do we get agape love. First John chapter four, verse 19. We love because he first loved us. I just wanna sit on that for a moment. He, we love, we can agape, okay? The word is we agape, we can agape because he first agaped us. So when we're trying to understand how do we get it, here's the twist. You already have it. You already have it. You already are loved with that kind of love. And you're like, I didn't do anything. Exactly. You did absolutely nothing, but that love is yours already. Like today, right now, in this moment, God is loving you with that agape love. Like that love that doesn't care about your past or your history or what's going on in your life. That love that doesn't care about even what you think of him and what you believe about him. Like he can love you even if you don't even believe he exists. He loves you in that way. Like it doesn't matter what you've done. It's already there. Like it's right beside you. It doesn't matter if you argued with your family this morning. It doesn't matter if you were super mad this morning. It doesn't matter what happened today. You have it. We love because he first loved us. You cannot earn it. You cannot even try 
to earn it. You already have it. Like, that's amazing, guys. Right? I don't know. Sometimes we, some of us grew up in kind of a religious experience, in a church experience, where that wasn't really, really taught. Or maybe they would say it here, but you wouldn't experience it out there. You know what I'm saying? Where we were told, or maybe we weren't even told, that you have to, you don't have to earn God's love. But everything else we saw and experienced was kind of telling us, yeah, you, you kind of you do have to do that. You kind of do have to. But I'm here to tell you guys, maybe for the first time, or maybe you just need to be reminded, you can't earn it, and you already have it. You don't have to go home and read your Bible to get agape love, to get God to love you like that. He already does. You don't have to pray today to make him love you like that. He already does. You don't have to go serve the poor. You don't have to go feed the homeless. You don't have to do anything because you already have it. Like that, that is amazing. That is a truly, truly amazing in my mind. Like it's here and it's there and it's around you and it's beside you and it's in you. Like his love, you already have it. So just live in it. Just like be aware of that fact and that reality that right now you are completely and utterly loved by your heavenly father. No matter what. He doesn't care. He doesn't care what you look like. He doesn't care how you've changed. You have that. Like that's so, man, that's that's amazing to me. And I, I want you guys to really understand that today. It's there. It's here. His love for you. It's real. And it's with you right now. So the way we've been concluding each of these sermons each week is we don't want to just talk about it. We don't want to just be like, oh, peace, hope, love, fantastic. Okay, let's go eat. You know, like that's not what we're trying to do here. Like we want you this week to grow in these ways. So for that first week, we wanted you to grow in your completeness and wholeness in your shalom. We wanted to grow. We wanted you to kind of evaluate your hope last week and think about, you know, where is my hope? You know, is it really hope that's changing my life? Because if it's not, it's probably because it's just wishful thinking, you know? So each week what we're doing is on our social media, we're putting up the definition of our word and then a couple questions for you guys to think about throughout the week. And, and I don't know if you guys have been doing it. I hope you're doing it. I think that's a really, really good exercise to kind of get you out of your head, get you out of your life, to think about something deeper and bigger and really, really important for you. So um, I want to share as we close just our three questions about love, our three questions about agape. The first question is, where did I experience God's love this last week? Where did I see God's love? Where did I have those moments where God showed me that he loved me in a way where he doesn't care about all the externals and all the other stuff? Where did I see it? Did I see it in a person? Did I see it in experience? Did I see it in, in an area where I was really undeserving of something and, and something great happened? You know, like, where did I experience God's love? Was it in a conversation with my, my parents or with a friend? Uh, where, where did I see it? Like, like, if you can bring it to memory, like, this is a really, really good exercise. The second question is, where do I need to experience God's love now? And finally, the third question is, how can I model agape this week? How can I model agape this week? That second question, though, is really, really important. Because the second question, the first question is, is good to remember, but that second question, it take, you, you take stock of your life now. Like what area of my life 
what area of my life am I lacking that real love from God? You know, maybe it's at work. Maybe I find myself at work trying to prove myself. Or maybe I find at my work I'm trying to, like, like I'm trying to leapfrog over someone else because then people could look at me and be like, wow, you're awesome. And, like, that'll, like, fill up my love tank that's so depleted because I'm looking for love in, in different places. You know, maybe it's within your friendships. Or maybe you find yourself comparing yourself to other people, making yourself feel better, maybe finding joy and happiness in, 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 and let's be honest, it's hard to admit this about yourself, where you feel better about your life because something bad is happening somewhere else. And let's be honest, we do that. We do that. And maybe in that moment you're like, wow, I really need God's love there. Because like my love and what I got going on is making me a terrible person. You know, maybe what, what area of your life now in this moment do you need God's love? Where do you need, uh, what part of your life needs to be assured? And that's what it is, to have assurance and confidence that you are worthy and you are valuable. Like what area of your life? Think about that question. And the third question, how can I model this for someone? How can I model and show and be an example of love that doesn't care to somebody else, to other people? How can my words, how can the way I use my time show this to other people? And if you don't really know how to do that, just go to the Gospels. Look at how Jesus did it. That's basically where we learn about what agape, what love is. We just look at how Jesus was and just do that. It's as simple as that. All right, so, so this week as we put it on our, um, our social media, which you can find us at Rock Fellowship SDA on Instagram and Facebook and wherever, um, we'll have these questions to think about this week. Again, one more time. Where, do I, where did I experience God's love this last week? Where do I need to experience God's love now? And how can I model agape this week? So next week, like I was saying, we're going to conclude the series. We're going to talk about joy. Again, Joy in the Bible, what we learn about joy is much more than just feeling good and feeling happy. It's bigger and it's better. And next week we're going to learn about how we can experience it and how we can have more of it in our lives. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I want to thank you, Lord, for today's message, God. I know love is something, you know, we, we hear about all the time. We talk about all the time. We, we love things and we love people and we love experiences, God. But I don't know, for me, as I kind of explored this and understood and began to understand a little bit more of what your love, agape, is like, I realized that I really, like at the end of the day, what I realized, God, is that I just really, 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 really want it. I just like want to live in knowing and having confidence that I'm loved um, regardless of my mistakes and where I'm at and what I produce and what I do for other people and how I look. And Father, I just feel like our world today, people in this room could probably use a lot of that. So Father, if there's anyone who needs agape, Lord, I pray, God, that you'd pour it on real thick today and help us to realize, God, that we already have it and that it's, it starts there. So God, I thank you, Lord, for each person in this room who's joined us for service today. And God, I ask that we would walk out of this room knowing and being more confident in your love for us, even though we made mistakes, even though we don't have much to offer you. Thank you, God, for loving us with that. Help us to remember that when we see, you know, little baby and nativity scenes in the season as we sing songs about it, that's all agape. Thank you, Lord. Let me pray.